Monica and Jordan, workplace besties giving you introspective realness and randomness that may get us fired one day. When we started writing this episode, we thought we were going to do a gripe session and we were just going to talk about how hard it is to be out here in the corporate streets. But after having so many conversations, what we realized that we really needed was to talk about how hard it is to talk about failure and how easy it is to get wrapped up in optics, right? You look at somebody's Instagram feed, you look at how they show up for work, um, how they are in meetings, and you assume that they've got it all together and they always make the right decisions. We really wanted to talk about some of the things that held us back or the things that we're really ashamed of or embarrassed about even still in our own respective careers. And we thought that that would be helpful to all of you out there as well. So you would know that you're not alone. We're not all getting it right. We just make it look good. So Jordan, I swear it's been the season of the glow up story. Like everybody's glowing up and I love the success stories. I don't knock anybody. I love to see it win, win, win. But I just wish that there were more stories on failures as well. Like what it took you to get there. How many times you fell down before you actually got up and got your glow up. Right. And I think that that is so much needed. And you start to feel alone when you're in your current season. If you're not on the glow side of your glow up, you're on the rough side of your glow up (laughs) where it's kind of feeling real slow like you start to feel alone because everybody else is posting the good stuff um how they started their own business how they got their new job how they did all of these other things but it's really trying to get into the journey so you don't feel so alone yeah I mean I think it's hard to talk about even with your close friends you can talk about if you had a hard day at work but you don't really talk about things like the real things. And I think what I've admired about some of my closest friends is they've told me stories about when they didn't get it right. Like one of my friends, you know, got let go from her job. And it's one thing if it's like a company-wide layoff, but when it's targeted either because of your performance or because someone's just like, I don't think you belong here. You don't fit with our culture, our aesthetic, whatever, in our team dynamics. That's a lot harder to talk about because it's not... You can't write it off as, oh, well, they just didn't have enough money to sustain my position. They're saying, it's you. You're the problem, right? Mm -hmm. And it's hard not to internalize that. And it's something I've always respected because, you know, for some of us, when we're failing or we're not making progress, we just get really quiet, right? We're not going to complain, but we're not going to say anything either. But I think for other people, I've always been in awe of them that they can say, yeah, I got fired. This happened. It's not that they're proud of it, but it's just that they're owning it. And so I think that that's always been something that I've wanted to be able to emulate and talk about more freely um, so that people don't just see the good things. I think that's so true. And I think, again, like if you look at people, even if they're not even if they're not even sharing their story. Right. And even if they're not sharing the glow up or sharing the struggles and whatnot, if you just look at where they are you start to think like, did they ever struggle? Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I feel like even looking at you and knowing your story and whatnot, like it's hard for me to think of how I met you and to think that maybe you might've had a struggle along the way in terms of your career. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I think that's really interesting because I feel like it's been a consistent struggle. Um, I mean, we've, we've traded the memes, the things back and forth in our DMs talking about, you know, how difficult it can be to be in corporate environments because they're not always a graceful, safe space, especially if you're not 
fitting a certain mold, right? Like there are those who like, you know, walk in and and they're kind of like the fan favorite and they kind of understand the politics and they can bend at will and they can become whatever they need to become. And they just seem to have this trajectory of success. And then there are those like myself who kind of slog it out, right? Like you're constantly having to learn. I, I used to joke with my old VP that if I ever wrote a biography, it would just be called the hard way, right? Like that's how mm-hmm. I would describe like my life, my my story. Um, not because woe is me, but just because oftentimes like if you don't fit, right? Like I'm not... I'm not the 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 typical like story of the black girl, right? Like in the movies and it's always, you know, she's, you know, I know that's right, head nod, finger snap, right? Like that's that's not me. Like I tend to be like super quiet, like in the cut, minding my business, observing everything. But you know, what I've sent you before is like um, videos and other black women starting to talk more about that. Like if you are quiet or you're not like outright perky, the people interpret that as standoffish and you're Mm -hmm. mean or you're like bitchy or something like that. And so you're constantly, not only are you having to figure out your job, you're having to figure out how to make people like you or how to be comfortable around you. So you're exhausted all the time because you're constantly having to weigh and evaluate and understand like, do people am I vibing? Am I giving them enough of myself? And I think that that can be really, really overwhelming. So I think always having to try to contort myself to figure out what someone wants or how they want to experience me is difficult. And so I would say that's been an ongoing struggle. And of course, the information is conflicting. Some people want you just shut up, sit at your desk, get your work done, right? I don't want to see you socializing. You get other leaders that are like, you're weird. You never leave your desk. You, you know, you need to socialize, you need to create balance. And so you go from place to place and you're kind of always struggling to try to figure out the social aspect. It's never been the quality of the work that's been the Mm -hmm. issue. I'm a hard worker. It's always trying to figure out the dynamics of how to get people to like you or how to make them comfortable enough with you that they're not suspicious that you're there in the first place. But I feel like you can't win because you were talking about how you got, like, maybe you're not social enough. And I am a learned extrovert, which I don't think anybody would ever believe, but it's something that I've just learned how to do to be able to navigate through, you know, corporate America and life and whatnot. And I got to the point where my feedback, to your point, it wasn't about my work in the beginning. Early on in my career, um, when I was in finance, it was really about me being too social. And it was with men specifically Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Like I do get along great with men. I just, I had a lot of male friends. Um, And so it wasn't even my boss. It was like my boss's boss who just felt like she saw too many men coming in my office. And I really low-key felt like she was implying that I was a hoe because I was just talking to people or they just stopped by during the day to have a conversation with me. And if you think about what that means or what that looks to you, it's like I'm in finance. There is nothing but men. Like, hello, who Mm -hmm. am I going to talk to? Nobody? You want me to be by myself as a female, but it was to the point of like too social. So now I got to be quiet. Don't look at anybody. Don't make any suggestions or anything of that nature, as well as do the quality of of work that, you know, that needs to get done. So it's like, you can't win. You're not social enough. You're way too social. And now you're promiscuous. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, I think it takes such a toll on you as a person. And I think that that's what's also interesting now is that we're talking about like quiet quitting. We're talking about people just really trying to figure out how to recalibrate themselves because we've been through a global health pandemic, now multiple ones at the same time. Plus you have the exhaustion of being at work and people are starting to 
think about and talk about how exhausted they are, how burned out they are. And it's like if you're waiting for your boss or your boss's boss or your organization to put in a fix or come save you, it's probably not going to happen. So like what are you prepared to do about it? And so I think that, you know, for me, I've had to spend so much introspective time like trying to figure out how to still be tuned in and still doing the work, but also figuring out a way to be okay with not having to be involved or in the know about everything. Because I think it's very easy, especially for black and brown women, to become the mules of an organization, to take Mm -hmm. everything on because you're constantly trying to prove you deserve to be there. That it's not a fluke, it wasn't affirmative action, it wasn't somebody feeling bad or rescuing you from the ghetto, right? It was, I did just as much work, I have just as much education and background, and I deserve good things. So I think that now we're like in this really interesting place where you're trying to figure out how to do well at your work but you're also trying to figure out how to like come back to yourself and have an identity that can be separate from the work that you do and not getting your entire ego be uh, boost or your entire um, understanding of self or self-worth from a job or a title or an organization absolutely it's 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 really about setting boundaries but I also think like it takes time to get there I feel like when I first started in my career, it was all about trying to move up that corporate ladder, right? Mm-hmm. And, and doing everything that you needed to do because you didn't necessarily have the experience at that time. You might have had the education, but you didn't have the experience. And you don't know what your voice is, right? Like everybody's telling you what you need to do. You're networking your butt away and meeting with everybody. And they're telling you what your struggle should be, what your journey should be, what you should be doing, what you should study, what you should go to grad school for. And you're trying to take in all of this information and decipher which way am I going to go? Which way is going to be my story? Um, and so I feel, I, I do feel like that comes with a maturity um, and knowing like your self-worth and knowing what I bring to the table. And I don't know if the 21 year old me would have known that right off the bat. And I'm, I mean, this is a different generation. I do feel like they're coming into the workforce knowing like what they have to bring and what they have to offer. But I can say the 21 year old me had no idea what I was bringing on, what I could offer. I was so used to, at that point, it was about like education. So mm-hmm. graduating with honors, having a great GPA, getting those kind of accolades and, check- and accolades and, and checkpoints and whatnot. And so for me, like one of the most pivotal, one of the most pivotal moments was after getting all of that good stuff and even being in, in finance as an analyst and still getting like great performance reviews and things of that nature, when I decided to move into HR in the diversity realm, and this was something that I was passionate about, and I felt like I was working my butt off, like even more so mm-hmm. than I was as an analyst, late nights, early mornings, you know, all of these meetings and whatnot. And when I got my performance review from just coming into this space, that hit me like a ton of bricks because it was less than stellar. It was, it was also the first time that I actually worked for a person of color. And I'm just like, how do you not see the work that I'm putting in? Like my blood, sweat, and tears, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it, it also gave me this thing of like, well, this is how I came up, right? Like, like it's like my struggle must be your struggle. Right. And I'm like, no, you're you, I'm, I'm me. Right. But it, it was less than stellar. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And that was the first time I cried at work. I definitely promised myself that I wouldn't cry at work again, which were all lies because I definitely did. Absolutely. Um, but that was the first time I cried. And, and, it, and it was an eye opener for me. It was like, Monica, 
you can't just work hard. You can't just work harder. You got to work smarter at the end right. of the day because you, you're you're giving your all to it. You're probably at the expense of like everything else that might have been going on in my life. At that time, I missed out on things mm. because I was so focused on work and wanting to do a good job. And what did I get from it? A less than stellar performance review. Yeah, I mean, I think that the... I think the performance reviews can be devastating, especially if you're getting feedback in a way that is not balanced. And I'm not trying to sound super corporate or like super HR in this moment, but what I mean by that is I've definitely had similar experiences where you go to sit down for a discussion with a leader or a manager and you're really wondering what what the angle is like what like what is the purpose and what are they not saying right because they're saying a lot they're giving you a lot of feedback but it's what they're not saying right and again it's not about the work quality it's not about showing up late it's not about you know not treating other people with respect it has nothing you know your clients or other people that you're interacting with have good feedback but it starts to feel kind of personal and not knowing if you have somebody that truly believes in you and is going to advocate for you and actually wants you to be successful. And I think having that epiphany, you kind of have a fight or fight. At least that's what I had, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can remember having that experience of working for two different people at the same time and how different they were. Like one was always extremely critical you know, I could be sitting in a meeting with very senior people and, and I had learned the hard way, especially in my early 20s, that sometimes people ask your opinion, but they it's rhetorical. They don't actually care what mm-hmm. you think and that you have to you have to kind of read the room and Absolutely. understand, are they asking or are they saying just repeat what's already been said? And mm-hmm. so you're kind of in those moments or you show deference, especially in very militaristic and or hierarchical cultures, you're learning you need to kind of respect the org chart yep. is what I've been told before of like, okay, you're in the room with very senior people. You know, it's almost like be seen, not heard. And then getting the feedback, well, you need to like assert yourself more. And it's mm-hmm. like, why? And we want to hear your voice. Like, I'm not hearing your, your voice. voice. Right. And then it's like, okay, but then I could see if I did, you know, it's like, well, you know, no one asked you or you don't have enough experience to assert yourself in that way. And I just remember that being a conversation on like, and she was like, I just feel like you blew it. You blew this meeting. There were so many senior people and you could have impressed them. And instead you didn't speak up. And so that was at like Friday at like 530. Yikes. And so the whole weekend, it was like just feeling like physically sick of being like, you know, I've blown it and now I'm never going to like mm-hmm. progress. And instead, like I, and I ended up texting my other manager and being like, Hey, like on Monday, can we talk? And I kind of gave him like an overview and like we sat down and we talked about it and that, you know, and it was interesting because he had such, he was such a polarizing f- figure. Other people that reported to him didn't see the magic, so to speak. They're like, Oh, I just think that he like dumps work, whatever. But he, in so many ways was like a saving grace for me because because he had like a way of seeing things in their totality. And so I told him about the conversation and what had happened and the feedback that I got. And he goes, I didn't experience you that way at all. Mm -hmm. He goes, it's so clear to me. Like when we're sitting in meetings, he goes, I can see that you're intently listening to everybody, trying to understand how it all comes together. And he goes, I always appreciate how thoughtful you are and how you really try to understand all the different perspectives. And he goes, I know you're going to speak when you truly have something to say. And once you feel like it's something that's actually going to contribute to the conversation and I think just having somebody acknowledge that you're like okay I'm not crazy like somebody actually sees me and for once I don't feel like I'm always such a disappointment to everyone around me and so I feel like that was such a 
important relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the way that he talked to me, the way that he treated me, even if I made a mistake as my leader, he would say, I wouldn't have done it that way, but can you talk me through how you came to do it this way? Cause maybe there's something I could learn or maybe, you know, there's a benefit to the, to the approach that you took yeah. that we can use later on. And so I think, you know, I've used that example even when people are like, what kind of leader do you want to be? And I talk about those examples of how he like humanized situations and made me feel like I mattered. And so I think that, you know, it's, it's that, it's that balance point, but I definitely had a lot of missteps and definitely had a lot of moments where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be successful mm-hmm. and understanding that the two of them really like had it out because she was like, Oh, I don't think she's meeting expectations. And he's like, I think she's stellar. And I'm always telling the VP, like this is, she's the next yeah. person that needs to be promoted. And so it's interesting that two people see your work and they have such different opinions, different opinions Absolutely. about who you are, what matters, like how you contribute, but definitely have had experiences before with someone who like I don't think really sees you or like thinks like as well of you and how hard it can be to try to respect their input but not to take it to the point where you start not to even like yourself Mm. um, because of somebody else's perspective because that's not realistic if you try to be liked by everyone you're probably going to end up like trying to be different people and then the question is do you even like yourself do you even know who you are after a while so I think it's this really precarious place of trying to be somewhat authentic and and trying to be humble enough to learn from other people, but also not internalizing, you know, um, their dislike or their disinterest as so then I actually am not worth anything. You said so many pieces in there that I just want to like pull and pull threads from. But I think one of the things that, you know, I think is clear is like, there's this moment now where I think people are talking about it more about the the quiet person in the meeting Mm -hmm. and what that person brings. Not everybody can brainstorm out loud. I feel like I always have to come in and defend myself to people before we even start a meeting and say like, hey, I'm a processor. I write stuff down. I process it and I come Mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. So they don't feel like, oh, you're not engaged. Like I'm actually really taking notes and thinking through everything and planning it in my head in terms of like step A, B, see how does this connect to Mm -hmm. this piece of it and then I come back and I might actually come back with a full-on plan that we might be able to utilize but Mm -hmm. give me that moment because I can't always think and 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 whiteboard everything and give you my opinion in the moment like I really want to think through some of the stuff that I have Mm -hmm. you know what I mean um and so you know you talked about like just being quiet but I think for some people like we all have different cognitive preferences Shout out to the people who can brainstorm. Shout out to the people who can process. Shout out to the people who are just there to just like take in the information and and run with it. But there's space for each and every like one of us. There should be. There should be. Facts. I like how you corrected that. That's a a big fact. There There should should be. be space for each and every one of us and how we actually show up. And I think the other thing that you shared was just having that one person. And I think... For me, like even developing who I am today was finding that one person to help me find my voice, Mm -hmm. that person that wanted to hear what I thought, what what I, you know, what I thought about things, even though they were in the business for years and Mm -hmm. decades and all of this stuff in there. Just like, well, tell me what you thought. What do you think about this? Oh, if we're in a meeting, I don't care who we're with. If I say something wrong, correct me in the meeting. I'm like, yeah, wait, what? (laughs) 
exactly. Right? And that person just starts to make you feel so much more comfortable in your skin. How do you understand what it is that you bring, how you think, how it can be utilized, how to work with somebody and collaborate, that it it really helps define who you are as a worker, but then who you want to be to your point as a manager, mm-hmm. like how I would want to show up for somebody in the future to be that person that I didn't have in the early on stages where mm-hmm. I felt so alone and by myself. And I felt like I was failing and crying at work in my desk, not knowing which way I was going to go. But it takes that one person sometimes Mm -hmm. to really kind of help you out of that. And sometimes people don't even find that one person. They don't. But I also think it's important. I mean, we're talking about hierarchy. And I think something we have to talk about, too, is you know, your peers can sometimes also play that role, right? Like it's so, it's exceedingly rare, but like at my last organization, like I was the first of like the millennials hire, but then there was like a little group of us and we got really, really close. And the fact that we could have just a really shitty day and like walk into the other person's office and be like, and this person said this and like just really blow off some steam, Mm -hmm. but know that it wasn't going to get back to anybody and having them also recognize things. You know, be like, I think you're really good at X. And maybe no one's ever pointed that out or it's something that you didn't even know about yourself, but having your peers also be that support system and help build your confidence and let you know, like, other people admire the work that you do. Other people see the value in who you are. So yes, it's amazing if you have a manager or a leader or a client, right? And I was fortunate to have people, you know, I had clients who were really pushing yeah. for me. I had, you know, a really, really strong manager who, because he was so consistent in talking about, he never took credit. If he assigned out a project to Ooh. me that was assigned to him. Jordan, he, you know, you hit a sore spot, right? He never took credit, Right. He never took credit. He would be like, oh, you know, VP of HR, Jordan, you know, you know, has really been doing this project. She took like the lead on it. And I want to talk to you about some of what she accomplished. And I so appreciated that. And I, I know, like I, did I earn the promotions? Yes. But it was because Mm -hmm. I had the advocacy and the visibility, you know what I mean? Because it's not always about working hard. It's about are people when you're not in the room saying your name and are they talking about you in a positive way and are they convincing others that you deserve more? Yeah. And so I Which is also known as sponsors, right? In the corporate sense, right? Making sure that you have a sponsor that's talking about you that's not there, that is part of the decision-making, a mentor, yeah. somebody that you can kind of lean on and blow steam, whether it's a peer mentor or a, um, you know, a person that might be in a higher uh, position or yep. anything of that nature. Um, so those are, those are all of the pieces, but I think that that's so true. Yeah. And it, and it gets to a point where like, you know, like I had this moment where I was working on like a global team, like a global team project and somebody in the group who I hadn't really met before was like, oh, I've definitely heard about you. And people were like, oh, if she's on your team. You're good. Right. And like, that was that. such, that was such an affirming moment because that's peers, that's others, again, speaking about you in a really positive way. And like, in some ways smoothing the path or if you have senior leaders who are like oh I've heard about you I definitely want you on my team like when I wanted to switch client groups you know everybody knows everybody Mm -hmm. right and these are two very senior people in the company that really grew up in the company they came right out of college started one was a VP of one client group the other was a VP of the other client group and when I wanted to switch they talked on the phone first I was unaware until after I got the job, you know, that the one who was the receiving manager was like, hey, you've worked with her for the last couple of years. What do you think? And the feedback that he gave, he's like, I don't want her to leave my group 
but she's going to do such a good job when yeah. she gets to you, right? Like these are the moments that I have to look back on. Sometimes when I'm going through a really, really difficult time presently, I have to remind myself, I'm like, you have survived hard things before. You've learned. It didn't break you. I mean, it felt like the end of the world it at the time. Like the end of the world. It felt like the end of the world at the time, but you always somehow pick yourself up. You're going to be okay, right? So I think that... Um, people have to kind of know all the different things all that go that. on because they're like, oh, you have this title or you make a certain amount of money or you work for this organization that's very prestigious, but people don't always know the backstory mm-hmm. of what you're going through or the things that you have to fight for um, on the inside and have how you have to keep proving yourself You know, when you have changes of leadership or people who you know, maybe have a set way of leading or, you know, have certain expectations of how they're to interact with you, right? And so you said there should be space for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I think that that is probably the biggest gift that this next generation, right, that Gen Z is really teaching is this idea of like, you know, divergence and and being more accepting of people who don't present in a way that you're familiar with. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like, that's what I want to see more. I want to experience more of that is people assuming good things about you. Like even it's like I wouldn't show up that way or I don't understand that, but that doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it different. It makes it different and let me understand it, right? I want because to understand. It, correct. It's like, you know, yeah, you show up different and I could just kind of count you off and then just be like, okay, I'm never going to inter- engage with this person. Mm-hmm. Or if a project comes up, I'm not thinking about them or anything of that nature. Um, but it's really making sure that you are, I don't know what this is, but I want to learn more, like Mm -hmm. teach me more or what it is that you're doing. So I think that that is super important. I do think that people are making space. I think each generation, it has changed. It it has literally changed. I mean, even for the millennial generation, and I know we have a fraction of like the OG millennials and the other millennials, but think about like the experiences that the, that gen, um, what is it? Not Gen Z. I'm forgetting my generations. Who? Before us? Before us. Y. Or X. It's X. We're, we were considered Y. But anyways, Gen X. And then even before them, the boomers. Like, their experiences and what the culture was has transformed so much each and every time that somebody new comes into the, you know, into the office or into the workspace. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I'm excited to see what that's going to be later on, even after Gen Z. I mean, I know we got a while for them and whatnot for all of them to get into the to the workforce, mm-hmm. but it, it evolves and it changes each time. And I wonder, as I get to the point of like being, you know, where the boomers are in terms of senior leadership, like, are we going to be looking at the whatever generation that is coming in and being like, oh my goodness, these kids, they don't, you know, they don't X, Y, and Z and not really making space for how they show up and how they think. Um, so I think it's going back and thinking through like, what did you need when you were coming in and trying to make sure that you're creating that space and what you needed might not be what I, what that person needs, but making sure that you're giving space for them to share that piece of what it is. Yeah. And I don't think being so quick to be, I think very accusatory. And I think there is, there's grace that's needed more so, right? Because there's always this assumption that people don't want to work hard. Nobody wants to work anymore. Like, get your ass up and work. Like, this whole, like it bothers <laughs> me to my core because I'm like, people are working. They're working as hard as they ever have. But how they do that, like, do they deserve to get to be a little bit of themselves? Do they get to take a break? Do they get to have a moment to themselves when they can reinvent who they are? Um, I feel like there has to be space for all of that. And it's not just about this grind. And I think... 
that was probably the most unpleasant realization I had is that it's not always about effort. You can work yourself literally into the ground. And there are plenty of examples of people who are severely overweight, people who lose their, like literally lose their families through divorce or separation because they have prioritized arguably the wrong things, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's always going to be work out there. There's always going to be jobs out there. um, But you're not going to always necessarily have the family if you don't invest the time um, or the care that's needed. So there's, you know, we've sacrificed in past generations so much that it makes sense that there's a little bit of a backlash mm-hmm. of people saying, I feel like I shouldn't have to have one or the other. I shouldn't be either the star at work, but then go home to an empty house because, you know, I don't have anything left to give anyone else or anything yeah. else. So I think that there just has to be a little bit of grace that is extended to to say just because I was willing to take this on just because I was willing to do anything by any means necessary to get ahead doesn't mean that that's the way that it should be and had I had more encouragement or had had I had different role models or people that coached me in a different way to say you can still have success but you don't have to sacrifice your own personal goals or happiness to get there may it take you longer may you have to make some concessions sure but it doesn't have to be either or and you have to really really think about like who do you want to be what kind of experiences do you want to have because if you're not careful at the end do you want your headstone to say something like faithful employee of x organization most of us wouldn't want that you wanted to say loving you know husband father daughter person whatever so um, you have to really and friends so you have to think about all of those things and so I feel like the greatest thing the one thing I really want to experience more um, at work is more grace Um, not perfection not more you know free snacks not more ice cream appreciation days you know pizza lunches just (laughs) grace would be a great start Grace would definitely be awesome. Um, I think, you know, what what we've been talking about is work. We've been talking about failure. We've been talking about what we want to see more of. But I think one of the things, and I think you mentioned it really, is like we spoke about the sponsor, the mentor, but we can have peer mentors. And it doesn't even have to be like that so-called formal mentorship. But you mentioned just being able to go into somebody's office and just blow steam and know that they're not out for you. And I think what I would love to see is like less competition. Mm-hmm. Not that competition is a bad thing, but it's like, I feel like sometimes depending on what culture I was in, it was always like, well, no, I'm not going to put you on or I'm not going to like big you up or give you credit and whatnot because I'm trying to get that next promotion. I don't care what happens to you. And so you can never, like, it's hard to find trust in those circles to know that somebody's actually out there for your, I mean, for your well-being, right? Mm -hmm. And that they'll be okay with it. It's almost like everything that you say, somebody's might be using it against you in the court of law. (laughs) Again with the stealing. We have to go back to this. So Jordan and I have a gripe about stealing ideas at the end of the day, right? Like, we have worked together on projects and it's not that we're looking for the pat on the back or anything of that nature, but we do believe if somebody gave you an idea or worked on you and helped you think through and helped you brainstorm and helped you do any of that stuff, and you get a shout out or a praise, and the person's right there, like, even if they're not there, like, just be able to say, thank you guys so much. You know, I was able to work on this with Jordan McManus. 
Mm-hmm. I was able to work on this. And shout out your team. I mean, it happens all the time when people get Grammys. They be Absolutely. thanking everybody all the time. So yeah. why it doesn't happen more in the workspace when we when there's so much of a push for collaboration? How are we going to collaborate if we can't even tell each other like what we did or even big you up or even, you know, thank each other in those in those instances. So if you hear that come up a, up a lot, it's because we're super passionate about the stealing of ideas. Yeah. Like, I don't think it costs you anything. Right. Like that was probably like, I don't even remember exactly what it was. But we were like in a meeting together and it was the first time we had worked on something. And somebody was like, oh, Jordan, you did so great. And I was like, first of all, I didn't do this by myself. Like yeah. there were three other people that were instrumental and getting me to this space, right? And there was even kind of like, wow, well, I was talking, taking, I was taking, talking about you. I was talking yeah. about you. And it's like, <laughs> I understand that. I'm not slow. Like, I understand <laughs> what you were trying to do. But that would have been such a slap to not acknowledge that I was working on something that was in no way an area of expertise. And so I went to people that I knew had an understanding or at least either of the culture, um, of the history, of the like that specific knowledge area. And through all of the discussions and through all of the sharing of information was able to get to a different place, but I didn't do it on my own. And I just don't think that that's ever advisable because I don't know how you come back from that. Like, I don't know how you build long-term trust or relationships if you're only out for yourself. It's scorched earth and you're always warned not to do that. You will have success in that moment. But if you have to go back to those same mm-hmm. people, they're not going to want to help or support you because they're going to know what it is. Absolutely. Right? So I do have a big issue with not giving credit where where it's due. It, it costs you nothing. It doesn't take away from the success that you had. You're just acknowledging that I didn't do it all on my own. Absolutely. It's, it's going against that whole grain of like pull yourself up by the uh, by the bootstraps like you pulled yourself up by yourself at the end of the which day which we know is physically <laughs> impossible if you cannot if you pull yourself up by the bootstraps you literally will fall over mm. it's a joke right? it is a joke it is a joke but i think it's that notion still in your head and it's like again we talk about collaboration and i think some of the best ideas come from when you actually get thoughts from somebody else it's a blind spot that you don't see right like it's a it's a different way of attacking it um that that you don't see where you get the best product i mean that's the 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 cornerstone of wanting to have diversity of thought or anything of that nature but i think it's so true and i think about that because of the work that we've worked on like the projects that we've worked on i might have come at it one way but then you would have a different idea that i did not even think about mm-hmm. or fathom or wouldn't have thought about on my own mm-hmm. um and that ended up being an end project that you were like we actually have a full picture and I think yes we've knocked on everything that we needed to knock on mm-hmm. because I might be analytical and you might actually be thinking about the goal or the or the end goal or things of that nature like all of those pieces are needed to get the best product ever yeah and I think like even having the safety of trying new things or having you know those iterations I mean I understand that sometimes people might be remiss they might not want to credit or acknowledge other people because they think there's only room for one person there's only room for one of us to be successful and it's going to be me and that it will be seen as failure that they had to ask other people for help so I think that culture can play into it but Mm -hmm. I also think that we have an obligation to buck some of those traditional systems just because that's the way it's been doesn't mean that's the way it should be so even if you have some trepidation about oh well it might look this way okay but in the end you succeeded you met the metrics or you exceeded them and you utilized all your resources that's what any successful leader would do so Mm -hmm. I think that's why it's important to me that you give credit because I think that shows 
real leadership. It shows Absolutely. humility. It shows that you're capable of getting work done through other, other that people. That is the point. You're never going to have all of the best ideas. That is the definition of a leader. Like you have to be able to willing to aspire people. And if I feel like you're going to steal from me, you're not inspiring me. No. You're not going to get the best work. That's the the L, to be honest. Um, And I don't think we talk about that enough. Um, So for me, like those are the things that have been important is just having that opportunity. And out of that too came the, you know, the work best friends, because you have to start to get more comfortable with failure or ask or saying, I failed on this or I'm failing or I don't know where to go next. Can you help? Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I feel like you know, something that I've started even talking more with my clients about is this idea of celebrating failure, Mm -hmm. right? Because we get bonuses often when we've exceeded a goal, but in a lot of high tech industries or in industries where you are constantly experimenting, one kind of unique concept is rewarding when people have worked so hard and still failed because if you don't reward that then what people will start to do is lie or cheat or they just repackage whatever has been done previously and so you never innovate so you have to find a way to take some of the shame away from failing and then you just move on to the next thing if you tried everything you know how to do and it still wasn't successful then maybe it wasn't meant to be However, there's no shame in that. If you really want people to keep thinking, you know, in a unique way, if you want them to keep innovating, then you have to encourage them to keep going even when it's difficult or even when they've had a misstep or a setback, right? It could just be a setback. It might not even be a total failure, Mm -hmm. but maybe they need redirection. So I think that to me, that's the next level is to start to embrace failure to an extent where and I'm not talking about lack of preparation. You didn't study, you didn't research, you didn't have the right resources, you didn't take it seriously. I'm saying you did all that you were supposed to do and, and it still didn't come together. Why don't we talk about that more? Why don't we celebrate those things? Why don't we reward people for doing everything they knew how to do and failing so that they don't get so caught up in the failure that they can't bounce back, that they can't go on to the next thing? I think... You know, I, I think about what cultures do that. It really is about rewarding risk. Like if you're talking about innovation, not every innovation is going to end up being the iPhone. But if that's the kind of culture that I'm trying to promote, like how do I reward folks that are actually taking risks, right, at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. And I think the other piece that's so important, I mean, we've spent a lot of time on failure, but I think it's understanding that failure doesn't mean that you're done, right? Like it doesn't mean that you're done. You can come back from a failure. You can come back from a setback. You can come back from anything really and truly. I think, you know, it's even having the ability to be able to own it. Like, dang, you know what? I messed up on that. And being, how do you come back from that? And I think that that shows up so much. There was research done like years ago from when I was coming up and really that showed that even as women, like when it comes to failures, we take it so super hard, but somebody else, like our male counterparts will have a mistake in a meeting or give a wrong data point or, you know, whatever it is and not meet their goals. And they'll be like, my bad. And then bounce right back and act like nothing happened and come back the next day and be like, all right, what project are you putting me on next? Like, wait, what? I don't know if I want you on a project. You didn't do good on the last one. (laughs) But it was just this expectation to just rub it off because they're not holding on or harboring it so much. And I think that that's what I've started to learn how to do every now and then. If I make a mistake, I'm going to own it. And I'm going to say, you know what? You are absolutely right. I'm going to take that feedback. I'm going to try to do it another way and show up a different way, but I'm not going to let that dictate like what the rest of my life 
is going to be not just at work, but in life in general. Like it's that one thing is not going to dictate that because most of the times they're not fully remembering the mistakes. Sometimes they do. People have a long remembrance, but it's how you bounce back from that. Like that, how are you showing up now? Am I letting that defeat me every time that I go to a meeting? Um, and am I letting that consume me? Because then it will continue to remind people about that mistake because of how you're showing up. Mm-hmm. You know? I definitely agree. Yeah. I mean, I think that's been super important too. I think it's, I think it's also difficult not to internalize those type of failures, but to be honest, I also think that you have to have a culture where people mean it when they say they want you to acknowledge mistakes. They mm-hmm. want you to be honest about when you've had a shortcoming, but there's a difference, right? So if you were saying, I will expect you to speak up or acknowledge if you made a mistake, but then I'm never going to let it go. Or I'm going to bring it up every oh my turn. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Again, what kind of culture are you creating? Or is it just one where it becomes very secretive, like where people are making mistakes, but they're burying them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you then have to kind of see it through to say, again, it can't be a careless mistake. It can't Correct. be because... No, it's not for lack of preparation to your point. It's not for, you know, you just putting everything together and trying to do it last minute. It's like you, 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 you worked hard on it. You thought you looked at every angle you put in, you know, a number wrong or it miscalculated, like something in there and that you can come back from. So I agree with you. It's not just, eh, I showed up today, whatever you guys bring, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the meeting. Right. Right. So, I mean, I think that, you know, for me, that's been what's been most important about talking about all this is, I think, just creating space for people to know that they're not they're not by themselves. Like if you've had a setback or you've, you know, fumbled in your career, like everybody loves a good comeback story. And so it's, it's not it's not the end, no matter how terrible it feels right now and so I think that's in this environment where we're only posting our wins and we're only posting our highlight reels it's easy to forget about that and to feel as though you're the only one that's not figuring it out fast enough so um, it's just been you know for me really critical not only to say that because I think that's the other problem too sometimes we say all the right things but it's like are you actually living are you living it yourself? Mm-hmm. And so I'm still trying to get there, right? I'm incredibly self-critical, but I'm trying really, really hard to realize I'm not going to always get it right. Um, and the, it's not for lack of effort. It's not for lack of caring. If anything, it's too much. But mm-hmm. um, I think I'm trying in every way I know how possible to be authentic about saying it and then demonstrating that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we hope that this helped you feel comfortable wherever you are in your career. Um, And maybe not even just your career. I know we focused it on work, but even like whatever is going on in your personal life as well. Like you're not alone. We're, We're all figuring this out. And even if somebody's making it look good or making it look easy, best believe that they probably have a testimony, meaning that there was a struggle that got them where they are. And I think hearing more of people's testimonies is so important so feel free to share your testimony feel free to and i think that's what testimonies are for honestly that's where it started from it's for giving people encouragement to know that they exactly to know that they too can get through this that they've been brought through such a struggle um that they can be inspired the next day if they're going through that struggle that they can do it too so this is really what the purpose of this episode was hopefully you got some encouragement from crying at work from making uh, missteps from getting uh, 
constructive criticism about our social skills <laughs> or, lack, lack or, or lack thereof. Um, and, and hopefully that makes you comfortable in terms of understanding that you're not alone and we've probably been through it or you're dealing with a different struggle. Looking at the Instagram story of um, a designer that I know, and she posted about really going after what she's passionate about. And I feel like it just is really good timing because that's what we're essentially trying to do. But what struck me is she's like, I'm absolutely terrified. She's like, but I'm going to do it anyway like who's ready to do this terrified and I just love that one because of the vulnerability but also because I think that's that's the truth of the matter is sometimes we talk about living your passion living your truth but we don't acknowledge how frightening that Mm -hmm. can be because there's no assurance that it's going to work out Um, it may not and so I just I felt really glad to be on this journey because even though I think everything in me is like you know, why are you doing this? No one wants to hear Mm -hmm. what you think. Or like, who do you think you are to try to have something like this? Like you're not famous, you know, you're not like, you know, the chief officer of some, you know, fortune 500, like you're just a regular smegular black girl. Right. So I think it's really important to also acknowledge having people who can dream really big alongside you, like, and can sometimes carry you along because I think that you'll discount yourself. You won't have the experiences that you otherwise would. Not that you're not capable, but you just aren't ready to dream big enough. So for that, I will say that's been probably the best part of this is working with somebody like you that can dream really big. Oh, little do you know, I don't remember any of my dreams, but I will say this. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you on that. I think that this has been a journey. It started as a joke. It started as me like really pushing, like, why don't we try it? Who's going to stop us from doing this to actually doing it? And it's been a year in the making of labor and love and laughs and frustration and moving and not being as into it as we thought we were going to be. But we're here and we'll see what comes out of it. And whether it does or not, it's a piece of work that we had that we did. And we are probably going to walk away, or at least I hope we do, walk away as better people for it. And hopefully it inspires somebody along the way. I don't need 500,000 followers for this. I just need somebody to just get a word out there um, and feel like they're seen. Word. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, joining us if you've been part of this whole journey. Even if you just listened to one episode and decided that we weren't for you, thank you, because that still counts as a view, I think. So... It's Monica and Jordan, workplace besties, still figuring out life, still figuring out work. And hopefully you're along for the journey of season two. Thank you. Life can be heavy, but it's lighter.